welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 353 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good friend Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? I'm doing stunningly well. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. <laughs> you hesitated a to bit think. too long. Well, I'm fine, yeah. It's a bit of a topsy-turvy world we're, in, we're living in at the moment, isn't it? I'm just going to raise the volume on that a little bit. Will that bring it up a bit? Yeah. Um there. Because, yeah, I don't want to date these episodes too much because this is a part of our anxiety series. <laughs> um, but um, anxiety levels around the globe are peaking right now, I think, aren't they? With we are, they are. a certain virus which is uh, doing the rounds. I have to say that I got my ears chewed off after our last episode. Oh. Because I was suggesting that people might like to invest in um, in funeral directors. Oh, you know what? I did think about editing that bit out. Yeah. I decided against it in the end. Yeah, I got told off for that. By, uh, well, OK, we won't ask by who, but... Uh, <laughs> the, well... Well, no, this, it, this ain't the BBC, man. We don't have to apologise for everything we do. And no, say. no, the, the thing that, that got me about it, the thing, <laughs> I was thinking about it afterwards, um, was that one of the things that is a good antidote to anxiety is humour. And one of the things that we're not good at um, because of our political correctness these days is allowing um, humorous nests to proliferate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that in our drive to be politically correct, we can lose our humanity in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to offend people, but I also don't want to be a prig, you know. It's sterile, do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life's too short. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. There needs to be some fun here and there, you know? Yeah, who says funeral directors can't be humorous? In fact, I've, I've known quite a few funeral directors. <laughs> yeah, I do know Who a couple. Humorous, yeah. Um, yeah, OK. Um, point taken but um, liveinthepresent.co.uk all the show notes and links as ever are online assuming your electricity supply is is running and your broadband's all going Um, (laughs) just a little joke there about the end of the world (laughs) I think that was really insensitive I'm deeply offended take it back Um, how you been? you okay? yeah I'll make it you know do you want some good news? I love some good news I wrote it on here your iPad's fallen over Back on the bike. Wow. Surely not. I, I have cycled over 14 miles last week going around doing my work. 14? 40. Oh, high five. No, wait, don't touch me. <laughs> Elbows. Elbows bump. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, okay, back on the saddle. Mm. Your legs are feeling loosey-goosey? Legs are fine. Uh, undercarriage a bit, oh my God. And you've got was... a super comfy seat, haven't you, as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need a super comfier seat. Are you soon getting there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think just getting back into it was a bit of a shock. Well done, Sean. All right, fair yeah, play. Yeah. Good on you. Was it nice to have the breeze in your hair and all that again? That was actually good. The only thing was, because of all the rain, some of the paths, you know the path that goes around the back of um, of the cemetery, around the back to Stalton? Yes, no, very well. Yeah. That's my key route, actually, to well, cut I, across I came, I came around a bend there, and it was a big muddy puddle. My front wheel went. Oh, really? And luckily I landed on the grass, so I didn't get completely soaked in the mud pool because I was going somewhere where I had to look half decent. <laughs> um, um, but that was a bit of a shock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, went down, I went down there on Tuesday last week, and it was, I mean, it was all right. Um, 
bit muddy, a bit good fun. But I did have a complete change of clothes. My bike hasn't got mud guards, my new fancy new. Oh dear. Um, Do you need to get some of those little ones, like twelve inches? I should at least, at least yeah. get one of those. Uh, they're called arse protectors. You know, you yeah, just right, yeah. It on the seat. Yeah. A little bit of plastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't talk about. Mm. That, but I had a complete change of clothes at the other end. It was mm. cool, man. Quite refreshing. But well yeah. done. Very, very good. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so, I was going to cycle today, but it was threatening to rain, and I was chickening. Ah, so. yeah, wind. That's not the. That's not the coronavirus spirit we need. <laughs> uh, okay, right. So we're talking about performance anxiety today because we've been doing this series of on anxiety, but this is kind of halfway point, really. Mm. Which we've done this. So I mean, performance anxiety. I guess we have a. A tendency, and I have when thinking about this, to kind of link it to like actual performance singers, actors, that kind of thing. But it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? Much, much. The uh, performance anxiety is probably the biggest anxiety that I deal with. Right. Okay. And so tell us some examples of the type of stuff aside from yeah, people with stage fright. Um, on well, an actual stage. It, it is people that are scared of getting up and doing presentations. People being scared of going to an interview. People being scared of going into work with strangers. Um, people going on a first date. Right. That's a big one I deal with. That is a kind of performance, isn't it? In terms yep. of presenting your best side and not letting yep. the cat out of the bag too early about what a weirdo you are. <laughs> oh, <is> that? <laughs> That's just then me. people know. To, yeah. yeah, don't tell them that. Don't <laughs> the, um, uh, the biggest... Or the, no, no, the biggest. The most difficult one that I deal with, I get quite a lot, is, is the male um, failed erection issue. Yeah, okay. So once, once men, and all men do it, it's like at some point, um, whether it's stress, whether it's hormones, you know, whether it is an anxiety, whatever's going on, for some reason they have a failed erection. And for many men, that is like, oh, so embarrassing. And fellas don't talk about it. You don't go in the pub and say, hey, guess, you never guessed what happened to me last night. Do you? Yeah. You know. Um, so th- that is a real big one because once, or actually a little one, um, but it, it's because uh, once it's happened once, the fear that it will happen again can create the problem over and over and over again. And, and, and like everything, it's habits. Once you get into the habit of I can't do it, I can't do it, failure, 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 that's what you get. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, a little, there's a goodtherapy.org thing I'm going to link to, blog post initially, worth a, worth a read. Performance anxiety is, a, is fear about one's ability to perform a specific task. People experiencing performance anxiety may worry about failing a task before it has even begun. They might believe failure will result in humiliation or rejection. Mm. So that that fear of something going wrong before it's even happened. Yeah. What's all that about? Well, it's the visualisation. If you think about what we call a fight and flight, which is an anxious response, either you hit it or you run away, the other part of that that we don't say is fight, flight or freeze. And performance anxiety very often leads to a freeze right. where people can't, you know, they become tongue-tied, they dry up, you know, they yep. dry on stage, they, can't, they go into freeze mode and the brain just locks up and they can't think, they think, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to do. Because uh, I've been to a few nativity plays in my time, especially in recent years, for kids, you know, and the kids that I've watched, you know, the four, five, six-year-olds, uh, like my kids are generally involved like just to point that out but um, they don't seem to be 
nervous about being on stage, but and every now and again, you know, they will forget what they're supposed to do, or they'll, they'll be on, they'll be singing without actually singing, but they're not doing it in a nervous kind of way. So, at what point in our development do we? It, do we... it well, depends on how how many repetitions you have before you learn. When I was saying the other day about that going into Cork and the little girl on the plane, going on and it's, the plane's dipping and everyone's screaming and shouting and she's going and laughing because she hadn't learned to be scared. Yeah, okay. Yeah, how many repetitions did it take before we learn something? So how come some people go through that process and are okay with it, and some people like obviously become becomes a, a more serious uh, form of anxiety something they might I, avoid at all costs you know they might tunnel yeah. tunnel under the under the road just to avoid doing something <laughs> or saying something or I, I think part of it is to do with how you brought up is it a case of um, in being brought up that somebody when you get something wrong that people teach you that it's okay it's fine or do people make you feel embarrassed when you get something wrong yeah I mean, it's further down my list, actually, of things to talk about, but I'm running this little experiment with two young boys at the moment that I'm mm-hmm. bringing up into the world. And part of, part of it is uh, having, trying to find that balance between them being confident in situations where they need to speak up, mm-hmm. but, you know, then not being overly confident and, mm-hmm. you know, our souls, basically. Not being too big, at it. Yeah. There, there's, really uh, fine balance, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's some, some interesting experiments that were done back along. You couldn't get the ethical um, say-so to do these now, but you could back along. Um, where they would match schools, get two classes that were matched gender and ability, and for one whole year, um, one class, whatever they did, got praised all the time, even when they got things wrong. It's praise, praise all the time. The okay. other class, whatever they did, even when they got things amazingly right, were slagged off, run down, negative feedback all the time. And uh, at the end of the year, the class that had been praised had come on leaps and bounds, and, and the class that had been continually, continually denigrated had plunged right down. Uh, they lost all their motivation. That's um, interesting, because a lot of sports that kids do now there's no loser quite often in events yeah. and stuff and the parents that I chat with will kind of say yeah you've got to learn to lose and all that stuff but mm. that can have a real negative impact if you're constantly yeah, yeah. knocking people on the head yeah it's okay if you lose once and then, then you play it's not the winning it's the taking part that's important you do that stuff yeah, yeah. that's okay but if you lose several times and you're continually run down for it in the end you think well I'm a failure I'm useless what's the point I try mm-hmm. yeah which is the failed direction issue in the end, what's the point? So my favourite with that was a guy I worked with long, long time ago. Um, he was in his 60s, and in, as a part of the work we were doing, he revealed the fact that he'd had a failed erection when he was about 42, and his wife had laughed at him, which was the killer for him, and he'd never tried again. He'd never had sex again for over 25 years. You know. So, well, did you get him to a position where he was ready to go again? I or, didn't get uh... him into any position. How can I say that? Did, yeah, what, was the, what was the solution for that chap? Or was he... um, it wasn't what we were there to deal with. So we resolved his other issues. We didn't deal with the sexuality issues at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I think when I look at all the guys playing sports... You know, uh, so you don't, you're, you're talking about going to the rugby. Hopefully. Um, hopefully, yeah. What about the guy that's got to convert the trial? Yeah. You know? I was watching, uh, I'm going to the rugby on Sunday, hopefully, but 
I'm not that into rugby, funnily enough. I'm going for the just the experience. Mm. But yeah, I was watching at the weekend at England, Wales, I think. Yeah. Josh Farrell, I think he's the English, he's the England guy that kicks the conversions and all that stuff. And yeah, his routine is quite distinctive in terms of the facial expressions, the kind of the head movements he makes to line his up, yeah. the steps back he does. Through to the final. It's all the preparation, yeah. and, and that's the preparing. What you're doing is you're building a script. Mm-hmm. You're building a future script to get it right. Yeah, when someone has performance anxiety, they're building a future script to get it wrong. Mm. A lot. I mean, there's a difference. There's, you know, sports stars are performers in many ways. Some will f- just want to be on the pitch all the time, and some will want to be. I don't know. Might. You know, when they're in that arena with thousands of people watching them, feel the nervousness then. Whereas, it's the same with a lot of people in, in music. Uh, there's a link I'm going to put into the Guardian: um, the ten best stage fright sufferers. Um, so there's the top one they talk about is Adele, the singer, mm-hmm. you know, best-selling artist probably in the last mm-hmm. five, ten years. Um, and she really struggles on stage, even even now. You know, even after all those millions of records, all mm-hmm. adulation, all those awards. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think a, a performer like that needs their anxiety fixing, or do you think that anxiety is a part of what makes them sometimes? Such a great sometimes artist? people need the edge. If someone goes on stage and they're completely flat, then they don't usually have enough edge to get the energy going. Mm. They need a bit of edge. Um, I've worked with lots of people, performers, who have this anxiety issue of going on, so we would do the 7-Eleven breathing, that kind of stuff. But once they get on the stage, it's like someone else takes over. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, they become another person, and the anxiety's mm. gone out the window. Mm. That's quite common. I see that in a weird, not in a weird way, but with my, my wife's teacher, and the, 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 per, the, the person that I know and I live with... Uh, who I love dearly, obviously. Um, she's quite. She, I think, can be. She would admit this. She can be quite nervous and like not great at making decisions in real life. Mm-hmm. Real life in inverted commas. But when I see her in front of a class and in a professional scene, which I don't get that often, but I've seen quite a bit, she's she's really in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the peop- the person that her colleagues know is a different person to the person I know. But that, that's being in role. Mm. It's a bit like a nurse, a doctor, uh, a policeman. Once they put the uniform on, they assume something in the uniform that they might not have without the uniform. So a policeman in uniform has authority. A policeman without a uniform on may have no authority at all. Mm. You know, emotionally, they don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that's true of actors. When an actor puts on a costume, they take on the role of the costume. And some actors will take it to extremes. Method acting is when... You, for the whole course of the performance or the time you're filming, mm. you are that person. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that person may be extremely confident mm. and you're not confident at all. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis yeah. is an actor that does that. He's probably the most famous. Mm. Um, he, he proper inhabits the role for the whole, you know, and if you go to him on set and you knock on his trailer door, he'll answer as the. Mm. He was the guy he played in, he was the butcher in. That New York movie, Scorsese's Gangs of New York. All right. Bill the Butcher. So right. I imagine I Bill wouldn't want butcher. I wouldn't want to knock on his trailer door to say, <laughs> "Mate, you're, t- you're, on, you're on next on set." Because he'd be like, "What? <laughs> I'll be right there." Mm. Amazing though. Yeah. Mm. I did. And how do you get on when you're on stage? When you're doing stuff? 
I'm fine now, yeah, I'm a, I quite enjoy it in some ways, now getting up and talking about, I need a certain amount of preparation in terms of getting my presentation so I know what I'm talking about. This podcast probably helped quite a lot. Mm. Um, Just I'm, learning to talk and not yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and people say, how'd you do it, how'd you do it? And mm. This is only a little show that goes out to a few thousand people. Mm. <laughs> quite a few. Um, <laughs> but when I was a kid, when I was really young, like six, seven, eight, I was quite a nervous, really shy kid actually. Mm-hmm. I was tiny. Still am, but less so now, I guess, relative. <laughs> less tiny. Um, yeah, so I, I do remember kind of that jump from junior school through to secondary school. I needed to uh, do a bit of growing up, and I was I was aware that I needed to become more confident. Mm. I can't remember exactly what I did do, actually, to, to do that. But I, I think you it's were kind of, You were forced into it, weren't you, really, in terms of leaving home and... Yeah, but now I've done I've done some stuff. There was there was something called the Ralph Reader Gang Shows when I was a kid, which were Ralph Reader Gang Show Gang Shows. Yeah, they were um, uh, Boy Scouts things. Oh yeah, and I, and I did a bit of stage work when I was fairly young. Um, when I left home and I was playing music, I was forced onto a lot of stages doing lots of stuff. Um, and at the beginning, it was really scary. Uh, and the songs that I sang when I first started had a kind of a in the voice the fear bit um, but when I got to the point where there was just me and a guitar and 10,000 people and I'm playing and they're all singing it was something switched in me and right. it was like well and, and there is something in it which is like like a drug it's a buzz yeah. it's a really powerful feeling when, when you've got a whole audience and you're working the audience mm. it is amazing um, so it actually wow. doesn't, doesn't bother me anymore uh, I, I do have a level of... I've got an edge when I go on, but I'm not anxious or, or scared in that sense. But mm. I, I've got that kind of adrenaline edge, I can feel it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been self-employed, I had to kind of teach myself to stand up and talk in, uh, just amongst 12, 15 people about yeah, what like I doing, do. Doing the networking, the networking and stuff. stuff like, yeah, again, yeah. that was really... Yeah. And I had to learn on the job with that. My first one I went to six months after being gone self-employed was quite a baptism fire and I fluffed my lines mm. probably and it was a bit nervous a bit shy but yeah practice makes perfect hey yeah and I just didn't I didn't have to go back to those meetings over and over again but I kind of forced myself to mm-hmm. I would say Adele has got this quote in this Guardian article I'm not going to do the accent I'm scared of audiences and she talks like that and she I'm, I'm scared not quite but yeah I'm scared <laughs> can, of audiences can audience. you sing like <laughs> yeah imagine I get shitty scared in Amsterdam, she was once so frightened that she escaped out of the fire exit in Brussels. She projectile vomited over somebody. She copes by telling jokes. So if you've ever seen Adele live and you can find her on YouTube or something, in between songs she tells a lot of jokes and she's quite chatty. So, um, she, so yeah, that's her nerves working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but she, how about, how about we, we say that's the way that she copes? It's a coping mechanism. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a way that she's found of dealing with her levels of anxiety. It's probably something that um, makes the show as well. I mean, she's obviously a brilliant singer and great yeah. songs, but people will go thinking, oh, man, I really enjoyed that. She was chatting to she her. Was she was funny. talking to me between the songs. Uh, and I know some performers will focus on like one person in the audience, maybe a, yeah. a friendly face or something like that. Yeah. It, it's funny that when you are working the audience, because there are faces that you do come back to, and they're the ones that usually are making contact with you, mm. you know. Yeah, well, when I do presentations amongst, you know, a small group of people, I never, it gets to the end and I never know 
whether I've been making eye contact and all that stuff and then I need to get better at doing that and making sure that well it feels like I, I need to anyway mm. yeah it's, I think it's just it's that kind of mindful awareness you know what am I doing how am I coming over yeah um, I mean obviously after, after an issue after doing something you get feedback mm. so which is always useful um, especially the feedback that says that bit wasn't too good. That's that's good feedback, that because that kind of gives you an insight into something which you might go, no, that's fine, or you might think, no, I need to change that. Yeah. You know, mm. but that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk? You mentioned on this one, or uh, do you want to dive into our resources? Um, yeah. No, I'm okay. The thing that I would say, and it's part of my resource, is you have to become aware of the way that your mind's working, because we all have this creative facility and function where we are creating the world. Whether you wake up in the morning and decide what the day's going to be like, or whether you're going to go in and do something. So, one of the things that I do, say, so, so, say someone's going to do. Um, uh, an interview of some sort, I will take them through the interview process in a visualised way, get them to close their eyes and imagine themselves doing it. Because if they can visualise it, they've built a forward memory mm-hmm. to go to when they actually go to the interview. Right. It takes the pressure off. But if they've done the reverse and they've been rehearsing a negative forward memory, that's what they're going to go to. Right. And it's learning to create the positive bit. So I, my resource is a visualisation site, which cool. has got a series of visualisation techniques for overcoming performance anxiety. Very good. good. Uh, right, okay. I was, I was going to mention a couple of music documentaries. Uh, one about Radiohead called Meeting People is Easy. Mm-hmm. And one called Supersonic, which has just on ne- landed on Netflix. That's about Oasis. Mm-hmm. Not so much. I mean, Oasis and Liam Gallagher never really suffered from stage fright or any of that stuff. They were just, mm. He was a natural performer. Mm. Radiohead, the singer, songwriter, he's he, he does suffer, has suffered with kind of yeah, yeah, issues around whether they were worthy, you know, greatest band in the world at one mm. point, and, and uh, didn't feel worthy to be on stage in front of yeah. ninety thousand people at Boston Arena. Yeah, interesting. But I've just remembered I'm going to an event, hopefully a week on Thursday. Uh, in Liverpool, and th- there are these all around the country called an organization called Toastmasters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, these are groups you can join, I think it's free initially for the first few times, where you can go and meet a group of folks and get yourself ready for things like a best man speech at a wedding right. or just improve your communication skills and speaking skills. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been asked a few times to do after dinner speeches. I've never actually done it because I've never had the time. Several times I've been asked to do it, and that's the kind of Toastmaster kind of thing. Yeah. I've been able to get up and... Yeah, so I'm going to go along yeah. and to see what it's all about. Because um, I'm practising for that TED Talk I'll give at some point. Mm. In my head, at least. Uh, but yeah, I think they run all over the they run all over the country, these Toastmaster things. So yeah. Quite cool. And I mean, I've done a couple of best man speeches in my time. And I've quite enjoyed them. But mm. uh, in some ways it would have been better to prepare more you yeah. know yeah not that I didn't take it seriously but it's cool to know there's little groups you can join out there that help yeah. you yeah yeah it's good hmm? alright yeah um, ok next week carrying on with the theme which will be obsessive compulsive oh, disorder OCD deal. yeah um, which will uh, yeah yeah let's talk about that yeah we're all OC- we're all a little bit OCD right in certain yeah. respects but we've all got all of these yeah just how much of it is it yeah the one thing we haven't spoken about today is coronavirus Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it next week OCD yeah. and washing your hands for 20, yeah, yeah. 20 seconds happy birthday twice you supposed yeah. to sing or the national anthem or the national anthem ok once 
I've seen yeah. it through twice or once. I don't know. We'll have to time. <laughs> yeah. Next week we'll sing it. <laughs> yeah, well, next week things will have moved on quite a bit because uh, Italy's in shutdown as we, as we record this. And I'm thinking this Six Nations game I'm going to on Saturday will be cancelled. Yeah. Check the news. Well, we're, we're due to go to Paris for a few days in a couple of weeks, and Paris may be shut. I mean, they, they're closing Italy. Museums so. across... Well, I mean, Louvre's shut, isn't it? And um, I know all museums yeah. in Italy are shut, and Italy yeah. is like one big museum, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah stay safe, everyone. Yeah, you take care. Have a good week. See ya. See ya. Bye.